labor on. Would they not stand idle on the harvest lane? While all around us weave the golden grain of souls. This is a rush hour. And to each servant of yours here today, as you say, go walk today. May we go and bear fruit and bring joy to heaven and bring deliverance to the souls of men and bring blessings around. We go in the leading of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. I welcome you sincerely to the second half of the year. And I say may the name of the Lord be blessed for causing you and I to survive till this hour in the name of Jesus Christ. May the glory of the name of the Lord that has been made manifest upon us be truly sustained and even surpassed in your life, in my life. This second half of the year, in the name of Jesus Christ. And according to the scriptures, and according to the reality of the word of God, may the glory of this letter be greater than the former in your life, in the name of Jesus Christ. Our theme for this year is clearly written and boldly inscribed on the banner as you enter each service and as often as you have contact with here, which is the chapel, every Sunday morning and every other day of the week you are here. Go in into all the world and make disciples. Our topic for today is simple. All we want to do is to agree with God. But God has a need. God still has a burden. God still has a concern with you and I here. Because we are the foremost people who are running with his vision. He says, write the vision, make it plain upon tables, make it plain upon the tablets, make it plain upon the tables of the hearts, and let everyone who reads it run with that vision. The burden of God is a not all, and not all, maybe some, have started running with that vision. And so the laborers are few. The laborers are few. The prophecy just confirmed it. This is the rush hour. People are dying. Situations are perilous. The times in which we live are the end times. Numbers are going every day. And many are perishing. But where is the labor force? Who are the ones hearing and never going? We are the ones who have experienced the joy of salvation and hope of eternal life and know where their destination is. But they hold that information and they seem to have a heart that does not recognize where the rest are going. In our families, 
in our villages, in our communities, in our marketplaces where he has given you and I a platform. Pupils, in the kindergarten, in the nursery, in the primary, in the secondary, in the tertiary institutions, where you apply your trade, where you spend the greater part of your day. And today you see, can I find more laborers amongst you? The laborers are few. And so we go to Matthew 9:37. Read with me. Then he says to them, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There are many converts. Jesus had them. He even had the apostles, as we later classify them. As are then, twelve of them followed him. One dropped before Jesus finished his earthly ministry. Others like Paul, Junior, joined him. Nevertheless, apostles. He had many countless disciples. As at the time he was speaking, but Jesus still looked around and in verse 35 and 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad, scattered physically, scattered spiritually, Scattered emotionally, scattered with fear, scattered with foreboding, scattered with no hope. And that is a very, very clear situation in Nigeria today and world over. People are turning things upside down. The other day, I think a couple of days ago, we heard that the Assembly of Methodist Clergy in England have also voted more than 400 voted in favor of same-sex relationship. This is the top apex council, the conference of the Methodist Church in England. And only about 30 voted against. So the world is tumbling. Everywhere is scattered. There's nothing defined anymore. We're in the age where they tell us that we're in postmodernism. Postmodernism means the Christian era has gone. We are now past it. We are in modern era where what rules is relativism. Whatever is good in your own eyes, that is the right thing. Let no man disturb you. If they dare disturb you, then they are trampling upon your own fundamental human rights. That's where we are. Scattered. Jesus looked around at all this happening. As sheep, having no shepherd, having no direction, and then he says, the harvest of those who are scattered, those who are around you. Nansuno, Kamado Binagene, Ochichere, is plenteous. But you are all disciples, you are all members of the chapel, you have begun with this vision from the beginning of the year, you have run half of the year. But even up to this moment, the laborers are few. The laborers amongst you are few. The laborers are few. Those who have actually gone into the field to harvest this very rich field, they are few. 
I don't know where you fall into. But this morning, I do pray that he will burden your heart again to join and enlarge the coast of laborers who can bring in the numbers and the harvest that is ripe on the plain and every valley. You can bring in the golden grain to the glory of God and to the joy of heaven and to fulfillment of God's vision and purpose in your life and in my life this year in the name of Jesus. The prophecy ended by telling us, I am with you. That's where we started. And that's why we're having the five great commission statements. Let's read together, church. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And at the beginning of the year, what did that always with you mean? Perpetually, everywhere, and every time. I am with you. This morning again, he says, I am going with you. What else do you need? That's the first great commission statement in the New Testament. It's not in the scripture. We had it in the Old Testament. When Isaiah 5, 8, Isaiah 6, 8 did say, Here am I, send me. To the answer to the question, Who shall go for us? Whom shall we send? Isaiah said, Now nah, I volunteer. That's another of the great commission statements. Then to the lost house of Israel, now to you and I. In this great commission statement, we see the purpose of evangelism. The declaration of God's power. He has all the power. We see the description of his plan, which everyone should fit into. And this year, we've just chosen to keep it. And fit into it so that every one of us may be part of God's plan. He plans to reach all nations. And all nations before God do not necessarily mean the geographical nations. It doesn't mean Cameroon, Togo, Benin Republic, Niger, Chad. Right here in this church, we may be finding people of three or four or five or six or more different nations. Yitiv may be there. Ibuira may be here. The Yoruba may be here. The Wawa is here. The Jekebe is here. The Enugu Ezike brand is here. The Abakeleke kind of Igbo, they are here. Nations, languages, linguistic groups, tribes, kindreds. That's what God is talking about. And what is the duration of his presence as you agree? All time. I'm always there with you. Second great commission statement. Can we go together? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to all creation. We see the activity of evangelism here. Preaching the gospel everywhere and anywhere 
to everyone and anyone. No exclusion. Every time you're ready and ready to go. The third great commission statement to go is together, shall we read? The Messiah will suffer and from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. Luke 24, 27, 47. That's the curriculum for evangelism. That's, That's the curriculum. What do you preach? Spelled out. Purpose of evangelism. His plan. All nations. His power. All embracing. His presence. Always with you and I. And then what do you do? Everyone. Everywhere. Preach to anyone. Anywhere. What do you preach? The curriculum. Preach repentance. And forgiveness of sins. In the name of Jesus, beginning at your Jerusalem. Look at the fourth great commission statement. In the Gospel according to St. John chapter 20, verse 21. The Father has sent me, I am sending you. He's commissioning you and I. Friend, you don't need any more commissioning. The commissioning that is done by the master of the harvest himself is the greatest. You don't need any more prodding. You don't need any greater anointing. You don't need the ceremony. The master says, as my father sent me into this world, and I came doing the work, blessing. And I came with a focus to seek and to save all that are lost. And the Son of Man is come, not just to be ministered unto, not just to collect accolades, not just to make mileages of life, not to tienku with other people around and say, I also belong. The Son of Man has a mission. He has a vision. He has a focus. I didn't come for the things that make you Think of who has looked well to you or looked with a bad eye on you. I simply came to serve. And not only serve, but to also give my life what? A ransom. To redeem. Period. And he said, as my father has sent me, I'm sending you. Can you go? And in John 15, 16, he says, you have not chosen me, I choose you. And one singular reason, nothing more. The others come as addendum, or addition, or adjunct as a result of your doing this one thing. As you seek first the kingdom, you embrace salvation. You know him who is the Lord and Savior of your life. And you now seek his righteousness to do his will. These ones do what? They follow. They follow. They are not the main issues of your life. They are the main issues of pursuit. And in this year, they are not the main issues on the table. They are not. Somebody is saying, I want to be a professor this year. Good intention. Somebody is saying, I want to reach and see how many more things I can do. Cases in Supreme Court to reach towards sun. Good intention. 
Somebody is saying, I want to hit my first million. Good intention. Somebody is saying, I want that promotion that has hindered me and kept me below par. Good intention. Somebody is saying, I want more bands of greater profits. Good intention. Somebody is saying, I want to pass with A's. A's, 70's, 80's, distinction, confessed. Very good intention. Somebody is saying, I want to get married. Somebody is saying, I also want to get good paying jobs. Very good intentions. They are secondary. If you keep them primary, you will be like all the others. You will struggle like all the others. His power and his presence, which go with this primary one, may just be epileptic. They come and go. Because you have not been into the main intention. So he says, I have chosen you. And made you my disciples. For one singular purpose, that you may go forth and bear forth what? Fruit. Which fruit will do what? Remain. Anytime heaven looks at that account, the alert that came from you this year, this month, heaven will rejoice. Buy a car. Produce your first child after many years of waiting on the Lord. Oh, gain that well-deserved pay rise. Build a new mansion. Heaven takes notes. Heaven just observes. Heaven says, what else could he have done? He's just done what other mortals are doing. The only time heaven goes into a party, if it is what to call it, for want of better words, the only time heaven rejoices on each person's account, is when there's an alert of a new soul that has been added to the book of life. How many times has heaven done that this year on your account? How many times has heaven done that since you said you have surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Has there been any alert in heaven at all on your account? Oh, those lepers will stand on the judgment day too and you will have no excuse. Because they say today is a day of glad tidings. We have good news. We have enough to eat. We have all that fills us, that gives us hope of eternal life and joy for the moment. And we keep quiet. You will have no excuse. That's why he says, I'm sending you. That's the commissioning. And when the master has commissioned you, the only thing left to do is to do what? Obey. May you and I go from today in the name of Jesus Christ. The last of the great commission statements. So also added. In the New Testament. Can we go together in Acts 1.8. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem. In all Judea. In Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. Friends. That's the strategy. You begin from your Jerusalem. You can't be believing God for some of us, especially the younger folks. And sometimes some of the older folks are going to be a worldwide revivalist. I'm going to shake heaven and earth. I'll be fire and earth ministry. Mountain shaking. Water ruling. Sea boiling. I'm going to do great exploits for the Lord. Not one single soul not knowing your family, no witness right there. That's not God's way. The strategy, your Jerusalem, 
household, your neighborhood, your area, then God will find you with enough nerve. God will find you with enough maturity to send you, if need be, to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the primary reason why the Holy Ghost has come to reside in us since the day of Pentecost. That's the primary reason. I'm going, but I shall send you another comforter who shall be with you and in you. He will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of judgment. He will convict the world of righteousness. So, he came as an enabler in your life to help you primarily as you speak in obedience and open your mouth. He will put unction. He will put burden. He will bring conviction behind those words. And somebody is yielding his or her life once more to the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the reasons I'm sure you have given is I do not know what to say. He has an answer for you today. Psalm 81 verse 10. Open your mouth and I will fill it. Just go and then I will give you words. And you already know what to say. If this is what the master has said. If these are the clear signs and the witness from the king who has all the harvest? Why have you been waiting? Who are you waiting to speak again? What are you waiting for? When will you begin? Time is passing. Days fall upon days. You add years. Today some other people are adding one more year to their life in the course of this week. What are those years for? What is in the accounts? Are you counting money? Pounds, dollars, yen, naira, at 600 to one dollar? Is that your goal? Is that what gladdens you? Are you counting passes of land? Before somebody who has authority, commandeers, and takes over that piece of land, over this state, that can disappear. What is it? The other day, in Miami, Florida, a condominium, which is an apartment, like 1,004 flats in Lagos, first time. The only place near to it is um, a state in Owani. And not many of you have gone around there. And it doesn't really have many flats. My daughter who studied outside will very much tell so. They can have about 20, 30, 40 floors. And you may have about four, 500 rooms just in one. I don't know how many they had there. They said they still haven't fully counted. There were many they haven't accounted for. Simply just did what? Collapsed. And you saw the smithereens as they were. Are those the things that are your primary concern? Far and above that which is the main concern. And as we said earlier on, in introducing this year and what God wants you to do, the Germans are called German machines. And that approach is seen everywhere. Never mind that sometimes in football it also causes them. For those of you who are in the football Euro season now. They bring that machine approach everywhere. So they can't change systems. 
but they walk that way. What helps them achieve purpose in virtually every area of life? During COVID-19, they were the most stable nation on earth. They had that their approach and were able to keep their COVID-19 rate lowest. They say, keep the main things, the main things. Keep the main things, the main things. Let the minor things remain minor. Keep this main thing for this year, for the remaining part of the year, the main thing in your life, and let all the others be added in the name of Jesus Christ. There are men like you and I who have gone ahead and caught the burden of what God is asking us to do. They made statements that governed their life, took care of the rest of their ministry, and governed how they live every day. Kusuntelo, the man who became the pioneer of the China Inland Mission, which today is still continuing as Overseas Missionary Foundation, OMF International. At the age of 21 years, he left his homeland in Liverpool, sailed to China. And for 50 years and counting, he remained there. And what would he do? He would tell God, when they came to the annual convention, he would say, God, we need 24 missionaries. By then, he created 11 provinces in China. The others who came, so said missionaries, spent more of their time fraternizing with the diplomats, fraternizing with the ambassadors. Since they knew to speak Mandarin, the Chinese native language, and they were English, so they became useful in interpretation. So they would be going in diplomatic circles. I could imagine them telling Hussein Taylor, see, we are going with people who matter. We are going with people who count. You see, it's just a ring away, and I can get the ambassador. I can get the high commissioner. He will do my bidding. Not so for Hussein Taylor. Hussein Taylor said, there are souls that are perishing in this land. The harvest is very ripe. The people who do not know Christ are plenty. And while they were within the fringes, he went into the interior. First year, God, I want 24 missionaries. He got more than that. Second year, God, I want 70 missionaries. He got 74. Third year, God, I want 100 missionaries. He got 102. What was his style? He's the man who coined the word God's word, gone with God's method, will never fail to attract what? God's supply. He said they were supporting him from Liverpool. After a while, they said they didn't understand his method. He was too fast for them. So he cut off contact to them and said, God, I trust you for every supply in this foreign land. And I trust you for all the resources we need. And I trust you for the souls that are there. God didn't fail him. That's the man who is telling you and I. The great commission is not what? An option to be considered. It is what? A command to be obeyed. May you and I hearken to such wise words in the name of Jesus. Now look at another. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ. And to make them little world Christ. If the church is not doing that. 
If the members of the church are not doing that, all the cathedrals, all the clergy, all the beautiful worship sessions that make you already feel as if you should never go. For those of you who used daily guide yesterday, we saw Peter saying, look, master, this place is too good to be true. This place is already heaven on earth. This place is glory. Jesus shone like the light. Transfixed, transfigured. Peter said, Master, what do we need to go down and bother? Let's build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Forget about us. Anywhere we stay is alright for us. All we need is to remain here. Friends, it doesn't matter the quality and the quantum of worship time. Whether here or out. All the missions, all the sermons, even the Bible itself, are simply a waste of time if they are not succeeding in bringing souls to Christ. That's C.S. Lewis. And many of us have read a good number of his books. Someone, can we join together and read this one? Someone asked, will the hidden who have never heard the gospel be saved? It is more a question with me whether we who have heard the gospel and failed to give it to them who have not can be saved. Because it's disobedience to a command. As Charles Spurgeon who began preaching at the young age of 22 and people will come from 30 miles and away to hear him. See the query for you and I. We affirm that Christ sends out his redeemed people into the world as the Father sent him. To do what? And that this calls to a similar deep and costly. Many of us want it on a platter of gold. It cost Jesus his life. It cost him his comfort. The son of man had nowhere to do what? Lay his head. When he died, borrowed tomb. When he rode into glory, borrowed us. Everything literally borrowed. Sacrifice of the greatest order. Many of us want to get all the comforts which the rest of the world has as their main things. Here he says, we require a calculated Similar, deep, and costly penetration of the world. We need to break out of our words. That's what it is. So. If heaven is not getting results from you and I, we're in a ghetto. A ghetto is a place where people are not seeing beyond their nose. They are not seeing beyond today. They are not seeing beyond themselves. Life is brutish, smallish, and very, 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 very difficult. That's what we have packed ourselves with. Me, myself, my family, more. He says that's an ecclesiastical ghetto. Blessings, bless me in the morning, bless me in the afternoon, bless me at night. You alone. The one he has blessed you with that can bring light to another. What have you done with it? Let's break out of ecclesiastical ghettos and do what? Penetrates into 
That's the church's mission of primary importance. That's the main. That's the Lausanne Convention. Lausanne Convention is the greatest gathering of evangelical Christians almost once every 10 years or more in Switzerland. That's what they arrived at. And that's all they're breaking down. And having done that, friends, it is very clear and it is very obvious to you and I as God did alert us. This is a rush hour. When are you waiting for? The Great Commission is a mandate. The Great Commission is a command. The dictionary helps us here. What does the dictionary say? A mandate is what? An official order to do something. And when there's an official order, you obey. That's the only thing done what? Expected. If you have complaints, obey before what? If you have dis-ease, if you have unease, if you are right and can't move, you must obey before what? That's another. Another does not depend on your feeling. Whether you woke up on the right side of the bed, whether economy has turned blue or red, is another. That's the way to look at it. It's an official mandate to do something. The power to act in carrying out an agreed assignment. And what's the command? It's authorization to act in a particular way. What is the way? Go ye and preach the gospel. Go ye and make disciples. Go ye and preach forgiveness and repentance in the name of Jesus. Simple. It's only when you try to disobey a command that it becomes complicated. It becomes difficult. Romans 12:2 says the will of God is not grievous. It's not difficult. It's not a burden. It is good. It is acceptable. It is what? Peaceable. You enjoy it. And that's the kind of mandate he's giving you and I. An authority granted by a legitimate power to perform certain works. That's what it is. It's an official order we are receiving from who? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lord of the Harvest. His commanding friend, his commanding friend. Perchance somebody is still in slumber and saying, look, he's at my beck and call. No, sir. Perchance somebody is saying, until I get this area, I have your mark for myself. No, man. Perhaps somebody is giving God a conditionality. Until I do this one, until you do it. No, man. Change it today. Those who say until I get married. Those who say until I get a job. Those who say if I pass very well in this school side. Those who say if I get A's. Those who say when things start getting better for me. Who are you to give a condition to a command? More so the one who says, as I see you going, I will back you and bring all those things that other people keep the main thing. I will bring them to follow you. May we obey just this command and see him walk in our lives to all goodness in the name of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is a mandate, is a command. It is not a suggestion to be considered. Once more, the Great Commission is a marching order from the captain of our team. The Great Commission is a marching order from the captain of the team we belong to, 
to do the father's business, to do his bidding. It is everyone's business. Choir, elderly, younger, middle aged, children, everyone's business. It is the church's main purpose. The reason why we gather here is to save the lost, receive the saved, nurture the saved for reaching out unto others and drawing many more into the fold. What was Jesus' high priestly prayer? I do not pray for these ones alone. I also pray for them who will believe in your word through them. Are you going to fail that confidence repose in you and I? You, you, my dear. Not me alone. Not church. Not chapel of his resurrection. Even the one, the chapel of his resurrection goes. How many have you identified with? In prayer? In giving of something? Or even in going out there? Just for a few hours. It's a burden on you. No, how can you? How can you leave the city? How can you go to those uncultured people? I don't know the language. You will always have a reason. Let that change today in the name of Jesus Christ. Why must we no longer have excuses? Christ means for the church to be what? Missionary. That's the main reason. Matthew 16, he said there, Upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall never do what? Prevail. You don't talk of prevailing when there is no fight situation. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5, he says, The weapon of our warfare is not what? Canal. It is mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Bringing down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of who? God and of his son Jesus Christ. And friends, there is no place you encounter that more as in reaching out to witness to another person who already belongs to the devil. The moment Adam sold out, the moment Adam chose to believe the devil, Satan, the serpent, rather than what God says, he sold out. And he saw it when Jesus came from the wilderness. And right there, Satan told him, all these things you see have been given to me. Who gave him? Adam surrendered the authority. So every other person who comes into the world now usually has a tendency to be ruled by the prince of the power of the air. To be ruled by the prince of darkness. For the deeds to be evil and evil even more continually until the light shines in the darkness of their hearts and the darkness will not usually do what? Comprehend or overcome it. That light comes with the gospel of the Lord Jesus because in him was life and the life was the light of man. When you bring that light, the power of the devil over that person's life is broken, is lifted. And so the church's chief agenda, not even agenda, one, just one, is to do what? Rescue man from entering the gates of hell. 
Evangelism is spiritual warfare in the highest order. There's no other warfare greater than that. Many of us like places where we shake our heads. We shake our heads. We shake our heads. We do gymnastics. We do gymnastics. We call down fire of all manner. Colors, hues. We do all that. For seeming perceived adversaries. Either adversarial by people or adversarial by situations. Or the forefathers or the ancestors. That's usually the one. And if care is not taken, you will join those that will say fall and do what? Die. But because it's not in God's agenda, nobody falls and dies. You pray that prayer for one whole year. Nobody falls and drops. Why would God do that? When he's long suffering. Not willing that people should perish in their sins. But he's giving them opportunity that they may do what? Repent. That's his one agenda. To rescue men. So you may think that when you are shaking your head. You are doing acrobatics and you are sweating up and down. And you employ the Holy Ghost the most. For those of us who have been blessed with him. Filled with him. He's speaking all manner of tongues only for the evil spirits. You pray 100% prayer, 90% prayer is evil spirits. Satan, is demon greater than God? Is he greater than Jesus? But that's your main thing. That's your perception. That's not where the warfare is greatest. It's when you go to snatch his soul from the grip of the taskmaster. To bring him out from there. That's the highest spiritual warfare. The moment Moses appeared in Egypt. And said let my people go. Was that not one their woes started? The taskmaster couldn't just let go easily. How could you? He said where are you going for? We want to go and worship our God. Unadulterated. Uninhibited. That's the problem. Anyone who you make an effort to drop from the grip of the devil, that's when the trouble starts. And for those of you who may have recently surrendered their life to Christ, my dear, I have bad news for you, but it's also good news. The moment you, who have been haywire, the family's black sheep, the one who has given everybody all trouble, the one who will go out and nobody knows when you are coming back is. The one who will never wash the plates. The one who must break the rules. The moment you surrender your life to Christ and say, I'm now in Jesus. And they find you reading the Bible now. And there are no more arts. The way you used to do. Bravado. Pregandage. Hey. And you may wonder, why do they now start persecuting me? Why do they now speak ill of me? Why do they now face me as if what I had done has become the worst thing? The answer is because you have simply been snatched away from the grip of the taskmaster who had held you bound and he has unleashed more problem for you just to see if you will give in again. Remain where you are. And grow. And now go out to catch other fish that we also enslave like you. In the name of Jesus. No self-pity. That's exactly what's happening. Evangelism is spiritual warfare in the highest order. And to the lowest peace. 
Hebrews 7.25 says he's able to save them to the uttermost that believe on his name through Jesus Christ. And some have simplified it to say he's able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. It doesn't matter where the person is. Jesus can pick that person. And Jesus can brush him up. And Jesus can make a somebody out of a nobody. That's you and I to do. It's the only thing in the church in which you enter into the territory of the enemy to pull out his prisoners. That's the only thing. If we engage in ceaseless praise now, you know sometimes things start trending. And you read many accounts. Some of you will get the sinner reports. You will get. It's not enough. But when you get them, what I saw as I was going through many of them is, we declare seven days of ceaseless praise. We declare 24 hours of ceaseless praise. And then some will mark their birthday with ceaseless praise. Good as it is. Do all the ceaseless praise. Do a worship that literally brings down the roof. Oh, hold the Bible study on how to prosper in the things of life. And make a mastery. And let the you who is in you become the master over your circumstances. The devil is not affected one bit. Not one bit. It's not bothered though. You haven't gone to look for anybody in his camp. The moment you say evangelism, the moment you open your mouth to witness, you have entered and drawn the battle line. But that's what Jesus meant for the church to be. That's what God did even when Adam simply faded away in the Garden of Eden. And so God desires that all men be saved. No exception. First Timothy 2, 3, 4, it says, Pray for kings, pray for all in rulers of authority. Pray for every other person. It is good. That's acceptable before God. Who desires all men to be saved? Second Peter 3, 9 says, God is not slack concerning his promise. You hear us talk about the end times. The last days. Everything about the last days has literally been fulfilled. We'll get to that shortly. Except one. God is patient. God is waiting that many more will do what? Repent. And then shall the end come. All men. All men. And all that perish should be in your parish. That was John Wesley's watchword. And he lived it out. All men that perish in your household, in your encounter daily, highly blessed. And I'm sure you may have had that experience. If you haven't, pray God to have that experience. That man in quotes. That lady who is psychedelic. That fellow who is so much top as if he never goes to pass two. You just need to just touch the human side as a vacuum there and a macho judge. Sometime in the past, we went to orthopedic hospital. My wife was in the car. And as we were passing, one of the nurses, tall, huge, she made a comment. She doesn't usually do that. But she said, ah, I like this lady. She's carrying herself well. 
See the way her dress matches her body. And she's walking well. I don't know what took my eye. I just looked down. I said, but her, her foot is coming out of her shoe. She said, hey, if only she can put pardon there. So the one that could be seen easily, good, well endowed. But the one that seemed hidden, just a little more perceptive look, showed there was a need, as how everybody is, who doesn't have Jesus. It doesn't matter the wealth of authority, it doesn't matter the bank account, they have a vacuum. And God made it in such a way that nothing fills that vacuum except when the light shines into darkness. And you have the light, my dear. You have the light, my dear. Was it not this Hebrew slave girl who brought light and salvation to the big man, Neymar, with imposing CV? If that has been your undoing, perish the thoughts today and go. You will see a different testimony in Jesus' name. Souls are the only currency that heaven is looking to gain. Souls. Nothing more. You and I are looking for pounds. We are looking for sterling. We are looking for euro. We are looking for the one that will make naira more when you change it. Heaven is just looking for souls. When you look into your account, you say, how much is there? When God looks into your account, what is he looking for? How many souls are there? Don't know how rich or poor you are in that regard. But at least the way your account shows what you can do much more. That's the way souls in your account also show how much God looks at you and will be with you and will unleash those miracles to follow after you. God's concern is universal. It's not limited anywhere. Everyone is into his parish. And in Psalm 2, 8, it says, ask of me, dare to ask. Have the burden to ask. Have the compassion. Don't just think this one, what does he need? Don't just say this one, what will he say about me? Don't just say this one, will he say, you also are among? You are ashamed of Jesus now. If you can't stand up in your workplace for Jesus, where else will you stand? Then you are part of the mess there. You will sign wrongly on the attendance register. You will do 10% forwarding and 5% backwarding. You will also do invoicing that is real and unimagined. You'll be part of it. They will bring it to your doorstep because you have not declared your identity. But the moment your identity is known there and they are coming your way, they say, don't go there. Don't go there. Jesus will begin to disturb us in this room. Have you had a witness? Have you heard a witness when there is gossip right, left, and center? And you enter your office, and there's hush everywhere. The topic is changed. Are you everybody's man in class? Then change that perception. They all are hungry. They are looking for the wrong thing in the wrong place. Give them the right thing. Give them Jesus. And lift him up. The others will be added unto their life in Jesus' name. This is a place we usually look at, especially pertaining to parents, commendation. Have you considered the import of that verse in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9? Have you considered the import? If you find Revelation 7 9, please read it for us. 
Revelation 7, 9. A great multitude which no one can number. Of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the truth, before the Lamb, clothed with white robe, palm branches in their hand. Salvation unto the Lord. Thank you. And unto the Lamb. Friend. See God's great likeness of heart. Every tribe, every body, every kindred, every linguistic group. Every language, tribal difference will be represented where? In heaven. That's the import of that passage. Who will make that happen? You who have come from there. Not angels. But God's intention is that all of them will be represented. So that Matthew 24, 14 will be fulfilled. So that it will be as a witness to all nations. And nobody will have an excuse that they didn't hear. As a heir, many will take decisions for him. Many will say, uh, leave today, come tomorrow. Many will say, I have more time to leave. And they will have their reasons. But you have given them a witness. The love of Christ should drive you. The love of Christ constrains us because we thought joy that if one man died for all, Jesus, then all were dead. And those who live should no longer live only unto their plans, their ambitions, their programs. They should live unto him who died and did what? Rose again for them. And what's that ambition? That love of Christ. In Second Romans 5, 5, he shed abroad in our hearts. Is it manifest in you? That same love drives us. He drove Jesus. God so loved the world. He gave Jesus. Those who believe will not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world that you who have embraced Jesus will also go as a witness and bring the same love to others. Are you and I doing that? Are you marking time? Now is the time to begin. The value of one's soul is of great importance to God. The whole of the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 tells us 99 sheep, safe and sound, the shepherd left them and went looking for one. Nine coins, all in the kitty. The woman swept through with candlelight looking for one coin. Prodigal son did Rabadoo. Say, I'm a man. Give me my own. You're an old man. Your time is fast. It's our own time. Don't bother what I do with it. The other one seemingly obedient. Even though when you read his story, you will see that he was half obedient or even not obedient at all. All the time he was a annual fool, was his own. But this one went away, squandered all, 
But the moment she came to his senses, he said, I will arise and go to my father and tell him, I am sorry, I have sinned. While he was still far away, the father ran to embrace him and said, change his garment. He was spiritually dead. Now he's alive. My son is back. Who will do that? That's the value of one soul. Just for one soul, Jesus is ready to shed that blood. Just for one soul, Jesus is ready to prove our protocol. Why will you not have the same regard and see people the way Jesus sees them? He's looking for that one soul. He's looking for that one soul. Can he find that soul? Lowly, neglected, less privileged, wherever can he find him through you? Friends, this is the crux of the matter. We have every reason. We say, look, let the evangelism unit go. We say, look, that's what the pastor is hired to do. That's what the pastor is there to do. That's why we pay him. Fortunately, unfortunately, you don't pay anyone here. So you don't have that excuse anyway. But for most other churches, that's at the back of their mind. What is the pastor doing anyway? If we can't go, he should go. That's part of what the stipend is there to do. And then you have all kinds of reasons. God has chosen to use man. Angels do not preach in case you give excuses. In the instances you see angels in the Bible talking and looking into salvation, First Peter want to have said that the angels we are desiring to look into. They say, God, who are these kind of people they are referring to? Whom you will make your son, you will get them in you, you will forgive their sins. He said, the prophets prophesied about them. He said, a glorious people is coming. Isaiah 35, we say, redeemed people shall come unto Zion. We're rejoicing, dancing. There is nothing holy on the fire that will come in there. They prophesied. The prophet said, God, give us just one moment to look into this thing. That's what First Peter wanted to have said. God told them, it's not for you. There's a brand set of people whom they are being prepared for. And friend, who are those privileged people? You and I. A chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A peculiar people. A people who had never existed before. A holy nation. Whom God brought out from the kingdom of what? Darkness. Unto what? His marvelous light. And told you to go and do what? Show forth his praise. Broadcast him. Angels don't preach. Acts 10 listed out all that Cornelius did. Marvelous CV. And at the end of verse 5, he said, Send for Peter, who is in Joppa, who will tell you what to do. Angels are not meant to preach. Angels are ministering spirits to those who are heirs of salvation. They are messengers. They announce, but they don't preach. Luke 2, 10, 11, they announced, but they don't preach. God has not given them the rule of preaching to men that they may be saved because they haven't got that experience. He left it for you and I. Praise the Lord. Are we doing it? Peter must go and tell Cornelius. The angel has said everything. The angel saw that Cornelius was in. The angel even announced that all you are doing has come as a memorial before God. But I have no power to speak to you 
to not only move from having a memoria, but to have your name in the book of life. Please, for your own good, in order that these do not all just remain in memoria, send for Peter, he will tell you what to do. And Peter came and preached salvation and repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of Christ. Acts 10, 44. The moment you reached here and there was faith enough to believe, the Holy Ghost fell. Praise the Lord. You and I are looking for better methods. You and I are looking for better weapons. You and I are looking for better public address system. You and I are saying the vehicle broke down, we can't go. You and I are saying there's no fuel. You and I are saying my shoe is not enough to withstand that area. You and I are giving reasons, methods, gadgets. God is looking for who? Better men. Men filled with the Holy Ghost. A man who are ready to obey. That's all God is looking for. It's not dependent on your method. There was none in Jesus' days. And yet in one day, 3,000 souls can't repent. Because there was burden, there was passion, there was compassion. And they wanted the influence of the Holy Spirit. And we turn to the Gospel according to say Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Let's read verse 3. And Jesus sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of the coming and of the end of the world? So what we are discussing here in the whole of Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, end of the days, last days, end of the world. Everything in that discourse. Verse 6. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. These things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. He has added some more there. In verse 7, pestilences have joined them. COVID-19 is a pestilence. This one has refused to absolutely go. It's a pestilence that should be a warning to every man. And to every person, that times are no longer the same. Famines are there. We are in hard times now. Even the blind can see it. Children can feel it. Their baby milk has skyrocketed. When he finished that, he said, All these are the beginning of what? Sorrows. Verse 33. So likewise ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door, around the bell to ring for the end to come. But even then, not yet the end. Then go to verse 14 with me. And read together with me if you are there. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness Unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Until this gospel reaches all the world, to all the nations, people, groups, languages, tongues, in and out, Kenbury, Koma Hills, Enugwezi, Ketan, Nkanu area. Unto all, as a witness, 
That is the only sign before the end comes. And friends, who holds the trump card? You and I. You and I. If the world is already so bad, look at Canada. Recording 49 degrees centigrade. And I've been trying to imagine the highest Enugu had ever gotten that is very hot. It's around 36 degrees centigrade. 37 is once in a long while. And when it's like that, nobody is comfortable. Look at temperate Canada. 49 degrees centigrade. And people are just dropping and dying. Heat wave. Whether it's climate change, is all part of the end times. So these are warning signs. What are you waiting for? So, you see, there's only one sign before the end comes. And you and I hold the trump card. May we be going in the name of Jesus. We'll round up. Look at the world religion picture. We've updated it. Some time ago we showed it. The other time, we said, let's go to Wikipedia. This has, at last year, 2020, Christianity is 2.38 billion. By 2013, when we had the last count, we had it. Christianity was about 2.1 something, 1.6. So Christianity has only advanced about 160 something million since the past seven years. As of then, Christianity was growing at 1.3%. Islam was growing at 1.7%. And I'm sure now they must be growing at about 2%. The reasons are not what we need to discuss. The reasons are obvious. They give money to people to proselytize. They marry four wives and more wives. They carry out jihad. But even then, they are increasing. And you who are to go, Christianity is almost at a standstill. Look at Buddhism. Half a billion. Buddhism. Where what to go is to go and keep throwing your prayer points to a whale. You throw it to a whale. You throw it to a whale. You fold your hands and your leg. And you bow continually. And after a while, you smile. To be content. That's Buddhism. Look at the ethnic religions. We just brought it different from African traditional religion. All the other native religions, there are many of them, Zoroastrianism, Baha'i, and because they are usually more circumscribed, even though there are people in Enugu who are Baha'is. 0.7 billion. Look at Hindus, that they worship 33 million gods. Will somebody ever go wanted in a lifetime? Look at one point something billion. Oh! Under Hindus. Now look at Islam. As of 2013, when Christianity was 2.16 billion, Islam was 1.6 billion. While Christianity gained about 160 something million, Islam had gained what? About 300 million. Double. Look at the, those who say I don't believe in any God. 
We haven't counted those who on Sunday morning wash their clothes. We haven't counted those in England now and America who are anything but Christians in name. They are not here. It's those who assume they are Christians and have Christian names who come to them. So, see, one billion and counting. Look at African traditional religion. I'm sure it's an estimation that they made. There are many people who may be in church, but they have their chance. Sometimes the chance to be at their waistline. Some other times, hidden at the eaves, on the entrance of the door. Many other times, and I hope you are not amongst them, the chance may be under the pillow. It's not necessarily the fetish. Some of us even consider the Bible a form of charm. So let me put it under my pillow so that evil spirits will not disturb me. When you want to pray, you pray with Psalm 35. Every of the enemies. We are just putting there. But what does this tell you? Less than one third. Thirty percent of the world is Christian. In name, those who are actually evangelical are again one third. About 700 million. And look at what Jesus has got us work for you and I. May the Lord depend on you to open this mouth and to go. Starting today, starting from your Jerusalem and never slacking in Jesus' name. We've given these statistics before. We'll never cease. At the snap of a finger. Can everybody snap their finger? Can you just snap your finger? Some don't know what snapping finger is. Look at your neighbor, you will know now. Children, snap your finger. That's a second. That's how to count a second. Once you snap your finger, it's a second. And each snap of your finger, about two people are dying. One minute, see the number of people who are dying. In a minute, and count how many hours you spend there on average. And in an hour, look at the number. 24 hours a day, more than 150,000. It's not just that they are dying that is issue. Most of them are going to where? If you haven't caught the compassion, starting from your house, please do. We shame this again. As glamorous as it is to preach the sermons, they're only about 2%. Of those who are being saved. As expensive as televangelism is, the other day we are discussing it because we took one of the lecture outlines we usually deliver at Hegai and decided to just let us also have the experience. That's why we are looking digital today, as it were, because that's the setting in which we go. We are talking about the cost of one minute advert on TV. And I was still thinking about 300,000. Somebody said it's 500,000. Right or wrong? I wouldn't know. But network. So for a minute, 500,000 is going. That's tele-evangelism. It's just 1%, as it were. Friends, 80% of people who give their lives to Christ come from one-on-one come from people like you and I, talking to them with no gadgets, with no electronics. And for those of you who do behavioral theories, management theories, the same thing is playing out here again. 
80% of the result is usually achieved by 20% of the workforce. Look at it again. 80% of those who are saved usually achieve by 20% out of the 10, top 10 we listed, 20%. So friend, can you do the main thing? Keep the main thing, the main thing. Personal evangelism. Personal witnessing. Sharing the good news with the person who is next to you. Have that burden. That's where the souls that get repented come from. Less than 3% of all the people who repent and respond to altar calls at very big gatherings, crusades, church outreaches, street drama, radio, TV campaigns, actually continue and are discipled. Less than 3%. More than 97% of all the people who continue in church, fellowship and worship, got saved. And not only got saved, grew because of who? Because of who? Please chorus with me. Because of who? Because of you and I. Not the gadgets. You don't need any other thing. You are the man God is looking for. You are God's method. You are his man. More than 90%. 80% friends and relatives who talk to them, who watch them, who hear them, who have a burden, who don't just talk everything in the world. Have you imagined it? When you and your group gather, workplace, playmates, classroom, you talk of every topic under the world, under the earth, under the sky. If there is even above the sky, you can talk. You talk about them. You don't approach the one that they all need. I imagine if today were not Sunday. Most young men here, and a good number of women, we say, did you watch that match yesterday? England, Browns, the Ukraine. They will talk for that for one hour. In short, some will be experts, analysts. They will talk more than those who sweated on the football field. They will even put the salt they want, they didn't put there. You say, when that man lifted his leg, he lifted it like one yakata. They will mention Jesus. And the assembly with this spouse. Can God count on you to keep the main things, the main thing, and go, and go, because they are waiting for you in the name of Jesus. We've given these reasons. You know them already. We are closing by sharing with ourselves and seeing Janet Mahagai passed on last year at 94 years, a Syrian American who for over 50 years has initiated the ministry of training men and women from the emerging world, sending them back as areas and leaders of influence to their places to preach the gospel in their own cultural context without offense, and yet preach the power in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at his guiding statement that has guided that mission, that has trained over 100,000 men and women leaders all over the world, to go impact their nations. His last command is what? Our first commission. 
Is that yours now? Is that your first program? Will it be? Rehard Bonke passed away, I think two years ago. If I'm not mistaken, look at his guiding principle. What is his guiding principle? Can we all read it together? My goal is to plunder her. To populate her. That's all that guided him. Let hell diminish. Let souls there. Let them populate heaven. Has anybody around you heard the gospel? Everyone around you. Have they known the reason for which you believe? You've heard it over. You have an overload. Please can you share? Please can you share? Please can you share? And finally, a heartbeat is to do the heartbeat of God. Many of us have heard about John Hyde, praying Hyde. Again, another missionary to the Indians. John Hyde began by praying, God give me one soul a day. He got it. John Hyde began and said, no, I'm burdening them all. Give me two souls a day. He got it. John Hyde went on to pray, God, give me four souls a day. John Hyde got it. If in any day he didn't have four souls surrendering their lives to Christ, he will not sleep. He will beg God for forgiveness. He will cry unto God and he will ask, why did I not achieve this which is your heartbeat? And by the next day, John Hyde will make it up and still get the fossils he did. John Hyde died at the young age of 37 years. How old are you now? How old am I now? Where is your own dividend? Where is your own witness? Come, let's go. May the Lord count on you in the name of Jesus. Shall we bow our heads to pray? Lord, I am willing. Lord, I am willing. Lord, I am willing to obey your word. Lord, I am willing. Lord, I am willing. chest, our Father and our God. Lord, we are willing to obey your word. We cannot be sitting idly by in Zion. We cannot be sitting idly by in our ecclesiastical joy of worship. We cannot hear your word again and again. The glad tidings that bring salvation, the good news that brings goodwill, the world that chases out darkness and all it represents in any man or woman's life and shines the light. And henceforth, darkness will have no more power over it, but the light will prevail. We cannot be in it. We cannot harden our hearts. We cannot close our mouths and refuse to share this world and to be used to depopulate hell. Heavenly Father, this morning, we are willing. Father, we are willing in the name of Jesus. 
Father, we are willing in the name of Jesus. The elderly here, the retired are willing in the name of Jesus. The young are willing in the name of Jesus. The children who are of age, who can answer their names, who have already come into your knowledge, they are willing in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, the youth with bounding energy, excess time, enthusiasm, bustling in different directions, they are willing to channel it to do exploit. To win souls in the name of Jesus. Our fathers and our mothers who are running a rat race and many lose his sight. And you have said that all these things that the men of the world who have no hope, no vision, no better life, they run after them. All these things do they run after. But as we concentrate on the main thing, you will add all these things unto us. We are willing in the name of Jesus. May heaven reckon account for us from today in the name of Jesus. May your burden lighten upon us and never lift until we begin speaking. Until souls begin to arrive in heaven to give great joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, unction our words, unction our witness, order our lives. We will remain within the lights and the boundary where your love and mercy will reach us. We will do no hanky-panky. Lord Almighty, we will cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of flesh and all filthiness of the spirit and perfect holiness so that you can use us at every time and everywhere. In the name of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, self will go. Comfort will play low. We will live not only at our convenience, but for you who died and rose again and gave us life that we may be harbingers of life to others, this we shall do, and bring them home to the joy of heaven in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we march into the second half of this year, Heavenly Father, as we engage on this divine command, commission, and assignment, may all the needs that people of the world run after, follow after us, met in the name of Jesus. May they follow after us as men see and take note in the name of Jesus. May they follow after us in the name of Jesus. May science follow after us in the name of Jesus. May all the good and may your good fortune follow after us in the name of Jesus. May life and godliness follow after us in the name of Jesus Christ. We will measure on that. Like fishermen with baits, we will poach for you. We will swim for you. We will leave the reason why we are still here. And we will make our life accountable to heaven, relevant on earth. A blessing to others around, a joy to behold. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.